Welcome to the Clear Admit MBA Admissions Podcast. I'm Graham Richmond, and this is your Wiretaps for Monday, April 24th, 2023. I'm joined by Alex Brown from Cornwall, England. Alex, how are things this week? Very good. Thank you, Graham. So, man, this has been a really uh, tumultuous time, right? We got a, There's a lot of big kind of breaking news in our industry, right? So um, let's go through some of these things. So the first thing is that um, U.S. News is going to be publishing rankings, I guess, tomorrow. Um, if, but it was the, the reason why I want to talk about this is because there's been a bit of a scandal in that those rankings were supposed to have come out at least a week, if not two weeks earlier. And historically, they'd come out in like March. And, you know, there's been a lot of rumors that schools were not, that, that, that schools who get a sneak preview of these rankings pushed back very hard with U.S. News for one reason or another. So do you know anything about this? Like, what are we going to see a total shakeup when these things come out tomorrow? Yeah, I don't know what we'll end up seeing because, <laughs> yeah, from what we hear, and we got to thank our, um, our, you know, poets and quants, I guess, for, 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 um, covering this a little bit, um, but from what we hear, some schools were very concerned with their movement in the rankings, based off of a change in how U.S. News's algorithm um, to to create the ranking um, is um, works, and yeah. apparently that was as a result of um, the changes um, that that occurred in other sort of grad school ranking stuff right so (laughs) um tweaks in the in in the algorithm created a lot of change or at least that's what what we heard um schools anxious so therefore delay um publication so does delay mean that they're making adjustments who knows and and it would be quite interesting to know which schools um got anxious (laughs) and and, and why these rankings changed um, and again, reading w- what I read and reading between the lines, I'm thinking, well, maybe the algorithm change was actually a good thing because it revealed some um, some, some issues with um, potentially some of the schools that were being ranked. So anyway, okay. um, that, yeah, we'll find all, out. <laughs> that all said, it will be an exciting week next week when US News Rankings comes out because half the people will be like, yep, these rankings are fantastic. And the other half will be like, yep, <laughs> these rankings are dreadful and U.S. News has messed up because they've made some changes. Because one thing about U.S. News rankings in the past anyway is they have been super consistent, um, focusing on the U.S. market. And I say for, you know, as they compare to other um, industry um, MBA rankings in the U.S. market, they've been the most accurate. Yeah, kind of the gold standard. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I guess two quick thoughts on this. Number one, uh, we've been in communication with U.S. News because they do send us an embargoed version of the rankings in advance. Um, we won't, you know, we typically get them like, you know, 24 to 48 hours before they're public. So I'm not, I don't have them in hand. And even if I did, I couldn't talk about them. But, you know, we did ask, like, and they didn't, bite on like why <laughs> why it's all been delayed. Um, but apparently, yeah, according to Poets and Quants, it has something to do with pushback from the schools. And then the other thing I just wanted to ask you, Alex, is do you think we're, I mean, we've seen, you know, the law schools pull out of these rankings. There's a lot of grumbling, you know, happening <laughs> with these rankings. And I kind of wonder if we've entered an era where, you know, it's not acceptable anymore for schools to not be ranked. You know, everyone should just be ranked number one and no one, no one wants to really deal with this stuff anymore. And people are frustrated and think there's gaming of the system, et cetera. So do you think that schools are going to walk out of these things eventually? 
Well, they think that they're frustrated with it unless they rise in the rankings, and they think right. it's absolutely <laughs> brilliant. So, right. so yeah. um, it really does depend on which way the wind blows for for a lot of programs. Um, yeah, I think they are a great um, a great way to sort of frame what the marketplace looks like. Um, yeah. We have Great. our own individual thoughts on on how ranking should be. <laughs> we we much prefer tiers. I, we we think tiers makes a lot more sense than ordinal rankings. We've talked about that a lot, and I stand one hundred and whatever percent behind that. <laughs> but right. you know, these ordinal rankings do help sort of sort of showcase you know which you know the types of schools that you might want to target and so on and so forth. So they're very useful for candidates very early in their sort of um, information gathering for deciding on which schools to apply. Yeah. Um, so I personally hope they don't go away. Yeah, same, um, same. I, I, I do th- wish they would do it the way we think makes more sense, but that won't sell as many sort of magazines or get as many eyeballs. Yeah, um, agreed. As it were. Um, yeah. But yeah, we'll, we'll, we will see. And next week will be quite fun. Yeah, we'll talk through it um, on the next episode too, see how they come out and mm. everything. Uh, yeah, yeah. So speaking of Poets and Quants, because you mentioned them as kind of breaking that news, um, US news story, uh, Poets and Quants is in the news on their own, right? They were actually bought. Uh, they were announced that they, they've been purchased by Times Higher Education, which is a UK kind of media um, entity. And so that's kind of big news in our space. Any initial thoughts on that? Yeah, it's great. Poets and Quants breaking the news on Poets and Quants getting purchased. <laughs> Um, yeah. So no, I mean, it's, it, it, I, I think um, as, as we've talked about, it's a big good shot in the arm for, for our industry. Um, obviously, someone looking in is seeing a lot of value there. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what what Poets and Quants 2.0 looks like under the yeah. the guidance of THE. And I think um, John Byrne will remain there for. I think he he said sort of for three years. Right. Um, at least, mm-hmm. um, you know, as they go through that transition. So, um, yeah, it's a little bit of a shake-up. Yeah, um, we'll, and see. we'll We'll see um, how, how that happens. I mean, obviously, we, 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 we like really good coverage of this space, um, and we feel we're a part of that, but Poets and Quants is a big part of that. So Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're, yeah, it, it's, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, so we'll see how that all um, unfolds. But that was obviously big news. And then the last thing is kind of more sad news. And that's that McKinsey and Bain announced, I guess, that they're they're basically telling people they've hired from this class of, uh, I guess it's the class of 23, right? That their jobs, which were supposed to start, you know, typically you graduate, you get the summer off and you start a job in strategy consulting in the fall. And they've basically told uh, the folks that they've made offers to, that those jobs will not start um, until I think it's, is it early 2024? Is that the plan? And then they've come up with this whole scheme of like, oh, because you're gonna start late, we'll give you some cash. Um, and and they have this like tiered system of how much cash you get, depending on how you spend your quote free time. Um, so Alex, what, what do you make of all this? I don't know if you wanna elaborate on it. Yeah, I mean, uh, you, you've described what, what, what they're doing as well as I could do in terms of what <laughs> I know about it. I'm I'm pretty um, surprised, shocked. I, I'd be a little bit angry too if I was a candidate yeah. um, caught up in this mess because it's not like you know this week we've suddenly seen there's been a big shift in the economy 
and, and so on and so forth. We've talked about this on, 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 on our podcast for months. over several months. Yeah. <laughs> so this, this shouldn't be good news. So, so, you know, I'm a little, you know, I, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, Graham, but, you know, <laughs> I study conspiracy theories a little bit in some of my other work. And you could see that, you know, you, you could speculate that maybe the likes of, of McKinsey and Bain knew that they were going to have to do something like this, but wanted to still retain the very best talent in their pipeline. So so maybe they didn't, you know, they over-recruited almost deliberately given the economic circumstances. I'm not saying they did that, Graham, so mm-hmm. please. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, if, if I'm caught up in this, in, 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 in this, I, I might start speculating that. Right, um, right. Because I'd be like, well, what about those other three offers that I had? Yeah. Um, well, you know, they, they, they were reasonably attractive offers. Maybe if I'd have known this was going to come down the pipeline, I might have taken one of those other offers. Yeah. And so, so that's one thing that sort of uh, I, would, 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 would concern me. But also, what's the knock-on effect for, for current first years and, and incoming classes and so forth? Um, is this a temporary hiccup? Um, and a mistake mm-hmm. on the part of these very best consulting firms, or is this is going to become a, a bit of a trend, and and therefore it would affect the the value proposition of top tier MBAs. Agreed. Um, overall, right? So, yeah, this this is big. It's big news because um, I mean we have seen this before, right? So I think in '01 and in '08 there were offers that were. I mean, in some cases there were offers that were flat out rescinded. In others, it was delayed. Uh, and so this isn't like totally new, but it's interesting because in 08, the consulting firms really put the brakes on and then they ended up, I think, struggling because they didn't have enough talent, um, you know, afterwards when the economy started to lift back up. So I, I don't know. I mean, it is, I, I totally feel for the candidate out there who, you know, had three offers, decided to go work at McKinsey or Bain or something and walked away from others. And and now maybe he's thinking, geez, you know, I could have had that other job. And so there's like an opportunity cost that is in play. And I, I don't know. The other thing I thought was a bit odd is it's it's very prescriptive the the way that they're like, oh, we'll give you forty grand if you go and work at a nonprofit. Um, if you want to be a yoga instructor or something, we'll give you twenty grand. So they they literally, I, I mean, I, I that's what I when I read that article, I thought it said something along those lines that there was kind of like money given to you to help you you know make it through the the period that you're not going to be starting yet, um, based on what you decide to do with your time. So it was just a little. <laughs> Interesting. It, it also makes you wonder, Graham, if this story had broken on April first, would you have believed right. it? Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, this is so. So we'll see. I, I think. I mean, obviously, I don't want to make light of it because I there are real people with you know yeah. debt that they're going to have to start paying off in terms of you know business school loans and so this is yeah it's it's challenging and I'm hoping that like you say it's just a hiccup and that we get back on track. But you're right. I mean, if I'm a candidate, I'm starting to say, wait a second. If I start business school now, what's the land? landscape going to look like when I go for that first year summer internship or, you know, full-time job in a couple of years. So I, again, I think it'll blow over, but it's, you know, it's not good for those in, caught up in it right now. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. 
so I guess we need to <laughs> move on because we've got a lot of regular stuff to, to tackle. But this has been, you know, it's been a lot of news in our space. Um, over on our website, we continue to profile alumni of top MBA programs as part of our Real Humans Alumni Series. We just uh, talked with a woman named Nicole who graduated from London Business School in 2021. She's an entrepreneur and she runs a company called Nona Woman. And it's a woman's hygiene company based out of Indonesia really interesting um, company that's helping to kind of um, make like period products and, and you know, women's hygiene products more acceptable to sort of market and, and making them more available too. Um, and I guess it's a bit more taboo in Indonesia. So she's trying to kind of really break new ground. Um, we have a nice quote from her in that article in which she says, never say no to new experiences, say yes to every opportunity to meet new people, grab coffee with someone uh, who has a totally different background to yours, travel with your friends, intern at interesting companies, and more. So she was kind of, you know, really, and this describes her own experience at LBS to some extent, because she took advantage of a lot of different opportunities while she was there. Um, so anyway, and I would just do a little shout out. She did her undergrad in Philly at Wharton, um, and then ended up working in New York and kind of used LBS actually to get the MBA, but also to pivot back into Asia, where she's originally from, Indonesia. So just interesting story. So that's Nicole. Um, we also profiled a guy named Jonathan, who works at Micro. Microsoft. He's a Fuqua grad from 2019, and he's a senior account executive at Microsoft. And he said, he had a good quote about kind of the job hunt. He said, do not let all the noise about other peers landing internships and full-time roles at dream companies distract you or discourage you from your own goals and your journey. Also know that there are opportunities to pivot to that dream company after a couple of years. So I think he's saying, you know, just don't don't get, we talked about this a lot on the show, but don't get sort of swept up in what everyone else is doing. Just focus on what you want to do and, you know, you'll get your opportunities. And so that was Jonathan, um, who's at Microsoft. And the last one that we profiled was a woman named Charlie. She works at JP Morgan. She's a UNC Keenan Flagler grad and she graduated in 2019. So she's been at JP Morgan for a little while now and she works as a private banker. And this was kind of an interesting quote, I think just a, a healthy kind of thing. She said, every job and role has a learning curve. Embrace it. If you don't make mistakes, you probably aren't learning. So she just, you know, in, in the interview, she goes on at length to talk a little bit about how she interned at JP Morgan and, you know, didn't really know what to make of it going in and, and just fell in love with the place and has been there ever since. And, you know, steep learning curve, but she embraced that. So there you have it, Alex. Those are our three re most recent <laughs> Real Humans alumni. Uh, fantastic. And great quotes from all three. I couldn't agree with, with, with them more. Yeah. yeah. So uh, other stuff going on. We've got in May, as I mentioned last week, we've got our May events series coming up. These are virtual events every Wednesday at noon in May. Um, you can join me. I'm going to be emceeing these events. And on May 3rd, which will be our, our first event of the series, I'm going to sit down with admissions directors from Harvard, uh, Berkeley, London Business School, and INSEAD. And we're going to talk all about the MBA application process and, and just kind of a primer on what one needs to know, um, who, you know, as you kind of embark on this <laughs> process and, and begin applying. Then in July, we'll be back with a series of kind of essay-focused events. So these are really popular. I encourage people to sign up. You can just go to bit.ly forward slash C-A-M-B-A events. That's all one word, all lowercase. Um, so sign up now because those things get um, very full. And <laughs> uh, we got another, I mean, basically every Wednesday in May. And so we're going to have, you know, Columbia, NYU, Tuck, Duke, Yale. The list is long. There are a ton of schools coming to take part in that. Again, it's usually four or five schools each week. So tune into that. 
Um, Alex, we don't have any recent reviews or, or mail. Um, and so we're, you know, obviously if people can, please rate and review the show wherever you listen or send us a note at info at clearadmit.com using the subject line wiretaps. Alex, anything else? That was kind of a whirlwind of kind of <laughs> stuff to cover this week, but anything else before we dive into the candidates that you've picked for us to discuss? No, let's kick on. All right. Well, we've got a few deferred enrollment deadlines. Oh, right. Yes, week, that's right. <laughs> I still say, let's kick on. All right. Okay. <laughs> All right. So moving right along, this is Wiretaps candidate number one. So our first candidate um, is an ApplyWire entry that you selected, Alex. And this this person's applying to six schools, and they want to start in the fall of 24. So they are, you know, an early bird um, getting started. Well, I guess it's now getting. Maybe it's maybe it's too late in the season to say early bird, but they're they're already embarking on this process. They've got Columbia, Cornell, Harvard, INSEAD, Wharton, and Darden on the list, and they currently work in something called Treasury Management um, for a commercial bank. Uh, and they do that in Accra, which is in Ghana. Um, they would love to get into consulting or banking after business school. It seems like they're a bit on the fence. And as a result, they have Bain, BCG, McKinsey on the list, as well as JP Morgan, um, Chase. So they're still thinking that part through. Their GRE score is a 315. Their GPA is a 3.63. And they have six years of work experience. Um, they've, you know, worked in, in finance, um, as I mentioned, and, you know, they have a, they, they go through it in the, in the note they left us, but they've had a nice career with some good progression to date. Uh, and, you know, they've, they've had both kind of, um, financial impact on the enterprise that they work for, but also, um, you know, just sort of, um, you know, more, I don't know how the kind of, like personal impact, you know, on things happening there. So they, they seem like they have, you know, they, they've been, you know, labeled as like an innovation champion at their work and, and things like that. So there's a lot of good things here. Um, but, you know, they point out they're aware that their GRE is a bit low and they're wondering, like, what does that mean? You know, do they, and I believe they've taken it twice, right? So they've taken it twice and they really know they have yet to kind of crack it. So what do you make of this, Alex? Because this person seems pretty set on applying to some you know, top schools here. Um, but what would you recommend? Yeah, I mean, it looks like this person has a lot going for them in terms of a, their overall profile, right? It looks like their work experience is, is very interesting. They've done very well. They're also very involved in outside of, of work activity. Uh, now, in terms of their, their volunteer finance manager and an NGO um, and, and other stuff, right? So they do some really interesting stuff outside of work, as well as it looks like they perform very well at work. Um, their GPA is 3.63, so let's assume that's um, relatively strong. Their FGLI, which I think I now understand is first generation. Low income. Low income. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, so, so that, again, you get a good check mark for that because it shows contextually how far you've progressed um, and so on and so forth. Um, so there's a lot to like here. I really want this person to really think about that short-term goal and sort it out. Is it consulting or is it banking? And go all in on that. So, um, you know, that, I think that's very important, right? They, <laughs> they want to have clarity around that. They can't recruit in, in both of those industries and do, do that effectively when they get to business school. Should it be banking um, now that now that we've heard that McKinsey and Boehner... And <laughs> yeah, well, it might well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, bank, banking might, might well... Um, I, I mean, yeah. um, 
uh, come, come back into vogue. Ki- yes. Kidding aside, <laughs> kidding aside, I think um, when I look at this person's profile, I feel like a bank would look at it and be like, "Wow, you know, this person." I mean, they they are um, they passed the accounting exams in their country, yeah. the ACCA. Uh, they're a chartered banker, a licensed financial markets dealer, so they they play more as a finance candidate to me. But anyway, I'll, yeah. I'll, sorry to interrupt, but that that was my initial yeah, yeah, thought. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, no, I I, I I I could certainly agree with that, and and. You know, maybe that makes Cornell um, more more appropriate on their list, and so on and so forth. Um, so, so they need to sort that out. Um, but this GRE is also something that they they, you know, to me, what is the weakest element of their profile is the GRE um, by you know a, 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 by a mile in yeah. terms of relative to other other aspects of their candidacy. So their question is. Yeah, does my really strong work experience help overcome the low test score? Um, and the answer is for anybody, no, because they're looking at, you know, these things sort of measure or, or focus on different attributes of a profile, right? So yeah. because you have strong work experience, you can't get away with a weak test score. Because you have a great test score, you can't get away with weak work experience, et cetera, et cetera. Unless you're looking at maybe, you know, schools in the sort of the top 50 rather than the top 15 right um so so when you when you're targeting the best schools everything matters and they're not necessarily one doesn't compensate for the other because they're measuring they're looking at different things anyway i've sort of um butchered that but you get what i'm saying um (laughs) So, so the key is this is the weakest element. So, what 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 can they do? They they obviously they've taken it twice, but if they can really go at it one more time, um, any boost in that score is going to be helpful. Does it eliminate them from the schools that they're targeting? Not absolutely. I mean, I've seen you know through, on looking at Livewire, mm-hmm. I mean they can do searches on Livewire. Maybe use a um, data dashboard if if they're a Clear ClearMit Plus member to do some searches on. Um, these types of scores, folks are getting admitted with these lower test scores, but they are few and far between. Um, so the admit rate at that level would be very, very low. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, Graham, they've really got to do whatever they can to just try to get that test score up. Now, if they can't, yeah, they're probably going to need to look at the next tier. Um, and even in that next tier, that current GRE score is on the lower end of their spectrum. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, but, yeah. I, th- yeah. Th- it's worth them investing. They have some time before these deadlines yeah. approach. It's worth yeah. them investing in some serious, you know, online tutoring or local tutoring if yeah. it's available to, to get this score up. And, and, you know, even though they are a chartered banker and they have their accounting exams um, and, and all that other stuff, it's not going to compensate and at least not enough. And so, right. so I, a question for you though, there are a couple schools on their list, I think, who do allow for waivers, right? I think, I've, I've, or at varying times had, it's so hard to follow this because schools kind of offer and then take back some of these things, you know, depending on the round or whether there's been layoffs or whatever. But, you know, I feel like um, maybe Cornell and Darden have a process by which you can apply for a waiver um, or at least are open to taking other exams, et cetera. So would you recommend that they, like if, if the third sitting of the GRE were to go no better than the, the last one they did, would you recommend that they kind of pursue that alternate path? Or do you think it's better for them to look at different schools or? <laughs> That's a very good and interesting question, um, Graham, that I've not even thought about. <laughs> but 
Because again, I'm still a little bit puzzled by these waiver programs. Yeah, same. And the intent of them. Um, are there intents to allow folks that are poor standardized test takers, which is the case of this candidate, um, to have a pass at the test and, and just offer up everything else that they have, as well as maybe their um, additional qualifications to show they have the academic chops? Or is the intent of the waiver to allow candidates who don't have access to take the test? Because these waiver programs really only emerged during the COVID pandemic. Right. Um, so prior to COVID, there really wasn't a waiver opportunity. And it was all about access at the time. All right, yeah. we, we're all in lockdown, so you, know, you can waive it. So yeah, I, I'd, I'd have to really think about, all right, what's the true intent? For, for the schools that offer waivers, what are they trying to get out of it? Right, because on, on the one hand, you could say, I, I mean, there might be an admissions officer who would say, hey, if they've taken the test, I want to see how they did. That's a useful tool for me yeah. to, and, and you know, I know not everyone's going to do well on this test, and there are other factors in their profile. Um, but there's also the, the the cynic in me would say that there are schools that would say, oh, I don't want to see the 315. I'd rather they get a waiver because if I admit them, they're not going to lower my average, right? Because yeah. in some cases, the averages matter for, you know, the brand of the school, et cetera. So, yeah, it's a bit messy. Um, but I would say for now, buckle down, take this test a third time, yeah. and don't even think about <laughs> waivers or other, you know, paths. I would just, because they, they have a nice list of schools and they really, you know, their goals sound realistic, especially on the finance side of things. And so I, I feel like everything else kind of adds up and they should really go for it and, yeah. and do what they can to boost that score. You know, just by like, even if they were to get up to like 319, 320, they start to get into range for some of these schools. Yeah. Um, so I, I would advise that they work hard on that. Very good. All right, so let's move on. Thanks to that person for sharing their profile. Uh, let's move on and talk about Wiretap's candidate number two. So Alex, our, our second candidate this week is uh, been taken from a decision wire entry. This person applied to uh, Tuck, Duke, Michigan, MIT, Kellogg, Foster, and Yale. And they were ultimately admitted to Michigan with an $80,000 scholarship. They also got into Kellogg, uh, no money was was offered there. Um, they were given an offer at Washington Foster, and that's uh, $44,000. And then they were also given a $50,000 scholarship at Yale. So that's where the chips have fallen. They're starting school this fall. They want to get into consulting, and they mention Accenture and Bain as two potential targets. Their GMAT score was a 780 and their GPA, a 3.9. So, I mean, those numbers are literally like off the charts. Um, so, <laughs> uh, very impressive stuff. Uh, they mentioned that their top choices right now are Yale and Ross. And I think it's mostly related to the fact that those two schools are offering them a bit of, quite a bit of financial aid. So it seems like Kellogg, they're not really considering because Kellogg's not giving them any money at all. They say, I would appreciate any thoughts, especially about this Ross versus Yale uh, dilemma and the culture or other aspects of these schools. My preference is to end up in Seattle. And besides consulting, I might consider general management roles. I'm pivoting from accounting. Really appreciate the podcast. Oh, that, is that why you picked them, Alex? Because they have that line <laughs> about the podcast. <laughs> That's brilliant. I hadn't seen that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So what? What? What should they do? I mean, because they got into Kellogg, which is an M seven school, but they seem to be ignoring that. I think they should go to Kellogg, but <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> um, but 
Yeah, I mean, I assume, I don't know if they've tried to negotiate any scholarship with Kellogg, um, but I'd certainly go down that path mm-hmm. um, to see if Kellogg would come up with some um, financing, given their other options. Obviously, they're, they're not comparing schools within the same tier, so Kellogg might resist. Right. Um, but if they know that they're not going to Kellogg, if Kellogg doesn't come up with money, they can be pretty forthright in their negotiation and say, look, I really appreciate the offer from Kellogg. It's certainly the best opportunity that I have, but my finances are limited, and therefore um, I'm looking much more closely at Yale and and Ross, um, just purely from a financial standpoint. Mm -hmm. If Kellogg were to come part way, um, then that would... um, change my calculus so so they might have a good opportunity to do it that way if they know that they're not going to go to Kellogg in the current sort of um, scenario um, but Kellogg's definitely you know Kellogg's known to be a strong consulting school which might be an Achilles heel right now but it's known for that mm-hmm. um, and um, and MBB and so forth it'll be a notch above Ross and Yale in terms of providing access and probably give them a bit more mobility, so better access into um, Seattle. Um, Because they're a domestic student, I don't think there's probably much branding difference between Yale and and, and Ross. Um, You know, you could argue international student, maybe the school profile of Yale um, sort of helps out a little bit Mm -hmm. uh, more. Um, But I think it's a pretty straight toss-up between Ross and Yale. Um, you know, they're, they're in the same tier, although I know we could argue that Yale's sort of slightly in front within that tier. Um, so it would go down to fit. Yeah, it's, it's funny. It's really, it, it's interesting. So the, the kind of M7 type school in Kellogg gives them $0. Yale, you just were mentioning, might be a, a little bit ahead of Ross in many of the rankings. They give them 50 and Ross gives them 80. So it plays out as you might expect with these numbers. Um, yeah. I Yeah, this is interesting. I mean, if they... Boy, I, I mean, the, the thing that's the real like curveball here is the Seattle bit, you know, because on the one hand, you know, if 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 they had wanted to work at, you know, in Seattle for like Microsoft or Amazon, I would say, gee, you know, Foster starts to look pretty attractive, you know, that that's really their bread and butter. Mm. Um, but Foster, for one reason or another, is not giving them much money, at least not compared, um, you know, so Foster's giving them like 44,000 or something. So it's lower than what Ross is offering. So they kind of fall off the table, I guess, there. Um but yeah, it is. A, it's a it's a tough decision. I do ordinarily, I would say, yeah, wow, Kellogg's going to give you access to MBB in, in an amazing way, and it has this, you know, it's it's a top program with a really broad alumni network globally and it, within the U.S. and um, and you'll make that money back right away when you go and start your job at McKinsey after you graduate. But <laughs> as we just talked about, <laughs> and, and again, at the end of the day, you just meet a slightly higher on aggregate caliber of people. True. Yeah, that's um, true as well. In terms of your networks and stuff. So, so there's, yeah, it's uh, there's a lot of value in going to a school in a higher tier. Yeah. Um, with that said, I, you know, I understand where they're coming from and yeah. I guess, um, yeah, I, I think your advice to look into the alumni networks for these programs in yeah. Seattle, really good advice. And I, I do wonder to what extent Yale as an institution more broadly than just the business school has a pretty large footprint out in Seattle. I mean, as compared to Michigan, I don't know. I really don't know the answer to that. Michigan's a really big school. So there are lots of Michigan grads everywhere. So yeah, it's a tricky one. Exactly. And I I think Yale feeds much more into the Northeast corridor 
Yeah. Oh, um, I mean, for and, sure. And we've, we've talked, know, yeah. 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 We've talked and, in the past and, about how the, the Michigan placement stats are always really nicely spread across the whole U.S. Yeah. because of their location. So you're, yeah. you're right. Yeah. Boy, this because is nobody yeah, wants to stay in Ann Arbor. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a college town. Yeah. Even though it's a beautiful place to study, right? Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So in any event, um, yeah, this is a tough dilemma. I know that yeah. um, our, our famous, uh, you know, triple star uh, contributor, Anon 10646, offered a lot of information about yeah. the culture at Raw. So yeah. anyway, if you're, he, you know, he, he made so. a very good point about the sports culture and how that can actually play a, a very positive um, role, even for, for for folks that aren't particularly directly interested in sports. So so yeah, yeah, I thought it was a really interesting additional observation. Definitely, yeah. So I want to thank. I wish we knew who that person was. Like, but but I mean, anyway, they're anonymous and they they uh, offer such great advice. So I want to thank them for that, and obviously thank the um, congratulate the person who posted on all these great results. Yeah. I will say the the kind of admissions whatever person in me looked at those numbers and thought, how did they not run the table? But that's a whole other whole other story because um, they had such great ingredients to work with, at least on the on the numbers side of things. But in any yeah, event, where where did they not get into talk? Yeah. And um Do I think Duke and, as well. And Sloan. Yeah. Sort of surprising. Puck and Sloan, right? Yeah, I think, yeah. And and, yeah. and also uh maybe Duke too. But yeah. So oh, Duke. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 So anyway, yeah, it's, it, yeah, I mean some of it is you, you, it's not an exact science when you apply to business school, as we've said <laughs> before. So things happen. But in any event, I wish them the best of luck as they try to figure out where to land. Um, they're not going to go wrong. I mean, Ross, Kellogg, and Yale are all fantastic <laughs> MBA programs. So it's, what, what, as we would say, champagne problems. So hopefully they figure it out. Uh, let's move on, though, and talk about Wiretap's candidate number three. So our third uh, entry for the week comes from a Decision Wire post that you picked, Alex. And this person, uh, another dilemma, right? They applied to Berkeley, Booth, Columbia, Harvard, MIT, Kellogg, Stanford, and Yale. And they ended up getting into Berkeley, Kellogg, and Yale. So Kellogg and Yale are on this list too. Uh, they're undecided about where to go. They're going to start school this fall. They want to work in tech. And their numbers, for those of you keeping score at home, uh, 740 on the GMAT, 3.45 GPA. And they mentioned they're international. So they're an international student deciding between Kellogg and Haas for the tech industry. They mentioned they served as a PM in SEA, which I had to look up. I know that you're going to make fun of me, Alex, but SEA apparently stands for Search Engine Advertising. So they were a project no. manager. No. Well, I just assumed it was Southeast Asia. Oh, <laughs> maybe, yeah. So maybe that's where they're from. Okay, yeah. All right. So I had to, yeah. I googled it because I'm like, what? It, oh, well. yeah. So now you can really make fun of me. <laughs> or it could be, or it could be Seattle. <laughs> it could be, or it could be that they were on a boat at, at sea. Yeah. You know. <laughs> um, all right. So they anyway, they worked as a PM and they want to um, work in that in a similar role, like as a PM, but in the U.S. Um, post MBA. And they mentioned like Haas is going to give them more opportunities for small to mid-sized startups out in the Bay Area, whereas Kellogg would provide a broader network in Asia Pacific and outside the West Coast and with a bigger class size, et cetera. So what do you make of this? I mean, this is not an easy um, dilemma either. Yeah, it's interesting because obviously the last candidate we looked at, they're, they're debating between Yale, Ross, and, and Kellogg and have and discounted Kellogg for the financial um, situation, whereas this candidate's debating between Haas, Kellogg, and Yale, 
and has discounted Yale. And one of the reasons for that is obviously the different types of goals that the candidates have. Right. Um, so, yeah. so this candidate's decided that Haas and Kellogg make more sense from a product management side in tech. Um, and the, the, the Yale, whereas if it was a consulting, if this candidate was pursuing consulting, there'd be Kellogg Yale over Haas probably. Yeah, um, it's interesting, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, so it's good to keep that in mind. To me, this is a clear-cut sort of decision. Do they want to work in Silicon Valley, that sort of San Francisco area, like in Haas's backyard, post-MBA, and Haas might give them more opportunity then to interact and engage during their MBA, to sort of provide that access post MBA, or do they want to keep their options more broadly open in terms of being recruited in other parts of the United States post MBA, which then I would assume Kellogg would give them a little bit more um, access and opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, it's a reasonably clear cut. Now, you know, which tier? Trump's which tier, Kellogg sits just above Haas. Um, Haas is in that sort of tier with Yale, actually, Tuck and... and, and um, Stern, you and, would say. And, and no, what is it, Yale? Well, maybe it's the three of them. Anyway, they're slightly in that little tier between the M7 and then that next sort of top 16 mm-hmm. tier, I think. Um, so, so slightly behind Kellogg, maybe, in terms of tiers. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's an interesting, um, decision, but I think the, the candidate already knows the, 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 you know, which, which way the wind blows in terms of making this decision. Yeah, it is interesting because I think nothing beats being on the ground in the market in which you want to work if you're really pushing to do so. I guess they are international and I, I I don't, again, I should be better educated about this, but I'm wondering to what extent they'll have STEM and the ability to stay for three years um, versus yeah. just the traditional one year at one of these programs. But I, I think that maybe there are ways for them to stay for three years. I think Berkeley's entire MBA program is, is STEM certified, if memory serves. So I, I just don't know whether it's all of Kellogg or certain majors and things. So they, they should obviously look into that because the longer they can stay in the States, the better. Um, the other thing, though, that does strike me is if they do plan to return to Asia Pacific or Southeast Asia after, uh, after business school or in the longer run, I'm sorry, um, you know, which program, you know, has more kind of a brand and, and you know, network in, in that market too. So that would be worth investigating. Just as we told the other person, like, hey, how's the Seattle network for these schools? Well, they should be looking in whatever home, you know, city they're from or where they might land in the long term. Like, what's the strength of network like? Uh, and, and that might guide things a bit too. But it, yeah, it is tricky. I mean, these are both, again, fantastic programs and particularly fantastic in the area that this person wants to work. So yeah. it's not yeah. an easy, not an easy call. It's not coincidental. That's where they applied, right? That's, so, yeah. 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 And that's why they're good. undecided. So, yeah. uh, all right. So we, we ran a little long, but we had, we had some important issues to tackle, Alex. So I think it was worth it. Um, so, yeah. so we'll be back next week. Um, I presume next week we'll get a chance to break down the U.S. news rankings. And, um, you know, if the, if the schools haven't stormed the premises of U.S. news by the time they're, they're out. Um, but yeah, so stay tuned. We'll do it all again next week. Thanks, Alex. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks a lot. Stay safe, everyone. Take care.